were giddy, absolutely elated, exhilarated with happiness. It's obviously an historic day, November 18th, 2003, because finally all families in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts will have the opportunity to be equal families. I am in no quick hurry to condone the action of the Massachusetts Supreme Court. I think it flies in the face of what we know in Massachusetts as marriage. And I'm happy to tell the world, she said, yes. <laughs> Welcome to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Greg Gordon. Latvia's parliament creates same-gender civil unions. More than a million people celebrate Buenos Aires Pride. And it's been 20 years since Ontario and Massachusetts said I do to marriage equality. Those stories and more this week now that you found This Way Out. I'm Tanya Kane Perry. And I'm Marcos Najera. With Newsroom, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending November 11th, 2023. Latvia's parliament has created civil unions for same gender couples. The November 9th vote grants them legal recognition, but with fewer rights than their heterosexual counterparts. Activists hoping for more were stymied by changes Parliament made to Latvia's constitution in 2005 that defined civil marriage as exclusively heterosexual. The legislation entitles gay and lesbian couples who register their unions with a notary to hospital visitation rights and tax and social security benefits. However, they have no inheritance rights nor the right to adopt children. The law comes into force sometime in mid-2024. Former Foreign Minister Edgars Rinkevich became Europe's first out gay head of state in July when he was sworn in as president. Recent public opinion polls reveal substantial antipathy for LGBTQ people in the socially conservative Baltic nation. Rinkevich, nevertheless, vowed to stand up for a legal and just Latvia, for the well-being of the people, and for an inclusive and respectful society. Hailing the civil union's legislation as an important step in creating a modern and humane Latvia, he said that it sends a signal that all families are important. More than a million people celebrated LGBTQ pride in the Argentine capital of Buenos Aires on November 4th. Well-known celebrities rode the always colorful floats, blasting dance music, or performed during the festivities that began on October 28th. A recent Russian emigre and her Ukrainian wife told the Associated Press what it was like to experience their first pride. I'm originally from Russia. My wife is Ukrainian. Uh, I'm a refugee in Argentina here for one year already uh, uh, for being LGBT person and against war activist. And uh, this is amazing feeling I experienced today. This is my first Pride in general. Uh, I never saw so many rainbow flags, uh, wonderful people all around joined without fear. Argentina is one of the more queer progressive countries in Latin America. It became the first on the continent to open civil marriage to lesbian and gay couples in 2010, and the first to let same-gender couples adopt. The theme of the march was... 
Not one more adjustment, not one less right. Demands included a federal anti-discrimination law and a comprehensive trans law now. Queer activists are united in their concern over the upcoming presidential runoff on November 19th. Far-right vocally anti-queer libertarian economist Javier Millet is running against current economy minister Sergio Massa, who is seen as a strong supporter of LGBTQ rights. The fear is that a Millet victory will usher in efforts to repeal existing rights laws and create new barriers to equality. The director of Budapest's Hungarian National Museum was fired this week for failing to pre-censor the prestigious World Press Photo Exhibit. Five photos of revered queer Filipino elders were included in the exhibit, some of whom were in drag. Laszlo Simon was blamed by the Cultural and Innovation Minister of neo-fascist white Christian nationalist Prime Minister Viktor Orban's government for not banning young people from visiting the showing. Simon lost to a letter-writing campaign led by the far-right group Our Homeland. They charged Simon with violating the 2021 legislation that bans the display and promotion of homosexuality or the discussion of gender issues in materials accessible to children, according to Agence France Presse. The museum director defended the decision to include the photos because they include no nudity, are not sexually explicit, and have no questionable material. He wrote on his Facebook page, As a father of four and a grandparent, I firmly reject the idea that our children should be protected from me or from the institution I run. A U.S. federal judge has upheld a 2021 law in Florida that bars transgender girls and women from competing in female sports. This according to a report by the News Service of Florida. U.S. District Judge Roy Altman granted a request by state officials to dismiss a lawsuit challenging the ban on November 6. Altman's 39-page decision rested on the notion that promoting women's equality in athletics is an important government interest. He compared the trans ban to laws prohibiting the blind from flying airplanes or the HIV infected from donating blood. The challenge was filed on behalf of a trans high school volleyball player identified as D.N. Altman rejected the plaintiff's claims that the trans ban violates her due process rights. However, the door was apparently left open to another challenge of the law, one based only on alleged violations of the equal protection provisions of the U.S. Constitution and on Title IX, federal legislation that bans bias based on sex in education. There's been no word yet from them about an appeal. It was another rainbow wave of local electoral victories in the November 7th off-year U.S. elections. It accompanied a blue wave of progressive and Democratic Party wins across the country. The LGBTQ plus Victory Fund backs openly queer political candidates. According to the group, at least 148 candidates they supported won their races. Here are just a few of them. Fabian Nelson became the first out gay lawmaker in the state of Mississippi. The black real estate professional will represent Southwest 
Jackson's District 66 in the State House of Representatives. He campaigned on better funding for education, supporting small businesses, and expanding government-funded health care. Danica Rome graduated to the upper chamber of Virginia State Legislature with her election to the state Senate on November 7th. She made history in 2016 as the first transgender candidate elected to the lower chamber House of Delegates. The not-so-shrinking Violet dedicated her win to all misfits in her victory speech at the Virginia Portuguese Community Center in Manassas. Like I said six years ago, every person who ever felt like they were the misfit, who ever felt like they didn't belong, who felt like they were the kid in the corner, who felt like they needed someone to stand up for them when they thought it was impossible for themselves, we want it for them. The kid in the corner is now at the front of the class. And the kid in the corner is now Senator-elect of the 50th district. Newly elected Virginia State Senator Rowan was part of a sweeping win for Democrats and a woman's right to choose in the state. Governor Glenn Youngkin urged Virginia voters to elect fellow Republicans so he could pass a 15-week ban on abortion. They instead kept the lower house blue and flipped the state senate to blue as well. In generally conservative Ohio, voters came out overwhelmingly to embed a woman's right to choose in the state constitution. Pro-choice Democratic Governor Andy Beshear was re-elected as governor in otherwise red Kentucky, defeating a Republican challenger who advocated for a total abortion ban. New Jersey voters elected their first out lesbian state lawmaker on November 7th. Luann Peterpaul won an assembly seat representing the 11th district in the central part of the state. She has a long history of public service in law enforcement and as a human rights advocate. The far right had some high profile losers on November 7th. Moms for Liberty advocates for protecting children from learning about LGBTQ people disguised as parental rights. Almost all the candidates they backed in local school board elections across the country lost, including several incumbents. Meg Bryce is the daughter of the late right-wing Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. She lost her bid for a seat on a local school board in Virginia to Allison Spillman. Spillman won by a crushing vote of 62 to 38 percent. She has five children in local public schools, including one identified on her website as a proud member of the LGBTQ community. Bryce's four children all go to private schools. Finally, Orlando, Florida's local lesbian lawmaker, Patty Sheehan, won more than 64% of the vote to win a record seventh term on November 7th. She first won election to the city council in 2000. Sheehan defeated an openly gay man who had campaigned for Donald Trump in 2016. The proud victor thumbed her nose at the state's embattled drag show ban by inviting celebrated drag star Darcel Stevens to provide the evening's entertainment. That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude for the week ending November 11th, 2023. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. 
thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. For This Way Out, I'm Marcos Najera. Stay healthy. And I'm Tanya Kane Perry. Stay safe. Our listeners support This Way Out in many ways. By subscribing to our e-newsletter. Email us at info at thiswayout.org. And through your financial contributions to our program. More information about how you can give is online at thiswayout.org. Thank Thank you. you. It can change like that Due to one little word Mary That one little word was starting to change the world for North America's queer couples back in 2003. But it was definitely not just like that. In these two flashback reports, we covered major high court rulings on the way to national marriage equality, one in the Canadian province of Ontario and one 20 years ago this week in the U.S. state of Massachusetts. Maybe if we think and wish and hope and pray it might come true. Same-gender couples in Ontario have apparently crossed the final frontier in the struggle for the full legal recognition of their relationships. The Ontario Court of Appeal ruled on June 10th that it was unconstitutional to deny marriage equality to lesbian and gay partners and ordered the government to begin issuing them marriage licenses immediately. That prompted a virtual stampede to city clerk's offices across the province. Even couples from outside of Canada are planning quick trips to what one WAG has already called a potential Las Vegas North. And as Heather Kitching reports, it's almost certainly the beginning of the end of Canada's ban on same-gender marriage. Tuesday, we were down at the Court of Appeal office waiting for our lawyers to pick up the judgment. Michael Leshner and his partner Michael Stark are one of nine same-sex couples in Ontario who sued the Canadian government for the right to marry. And about uh, one minute after the judgment, one of our lawyers started screaming, the judgment's effective immediately, you can get married. And then I started singing for the press, get me to the church on time and I'm getting married in the morning. The Ontario Court of Appeal is the fourth court in three provinces to issue a ruling in favor of same-sex marriage, but it's the first court to tell queers that they can marry right now. And at 2.30 on June 10th, Canada's first civil marriage between a same-sex couple took place. The winners of the proverbial queer race to the altar were Michael Leshner and Michael Stark. They had applied for a marriage license in 1999, but the response to their request was placed on hold while the City of Toronto went to court to find out if same-sex couples could marry. When they went back to City Hall on June 10th, their license was there waiting for them. Then, Leshner, who was a Crown attorney in Toronto, arranged for a high-profile judge he knew to marry him and his partner that afternoon. He says that notwithstanding the dozens of camera crews and media surrounding them, 
the moment could not have been more special. We were giddy, absolutely elated, exhilarated with happiness. It was wonderful, just the moment, having janitors and cleaning staff and judges, and Michael and I and my 90-year-old mother and a Superior Court Justice all acting as one. It was uh, the perfect wedding. If you're gay and in love and you want to get married, come to Ontario. Ontario has no citizenship or residency requirement governing who can marry in the province. And one other thing you should know if you're planning to marry in Ontario, the court changed Canada's marriage law to remove references to opposite-sex couples, but Canada's divorce law has not been changed. So if you marry in Canada, at least for now, it really is till death do you part. For This Way Out, I'm Heather Kitching in Vancouver. Every time we think about same-sex marriage Makes us sick to our guts I mean, to people who want to commit to a stable, monogamous, lifelong relationship What are they, nuts? It's unnatural I'm Cindy Friedman. And I'm John Beaupre. With an expanded edition of News Wrap for the week ending November 22, 2003. It seems inevitable that the United States' first legal gay and lesbian marriages will be performed in six months in Massachusetts, following a ruling by the state's top court this week that will significantly impact the entire nation. A four-to-three majority of Massachusetts' Supreme Judicial Court declared that Barring an individual from the protections, benefits, and obligations of civil marriage solely because that person would marry a person of the same sex violates the Massachusetts Constitution. With a nod to the top court in the Canadian province of Ontario, Massachusetts' highest court has now defined marriage there as the voluntary union between two persons. That goes beyond previous U.S. decisions supporting same-gender marriage by the state Supreme Courts of Hawaii and Vermont. It appears to require full marriage equality in Massachusetts, and the gay and lesbian plaintiffs there won't settle for some alternative recognition of civil unions or domestic partnerships. As the state's highest court ruling on state law, there is no further judicial appeal. The court did not order that marriage licenses immediately be issued to the plaintiff couples who'd previously been denied them. The Massachusetts justices stayed the impact of their ruling for six months to allow the legislature to take action, but it seems that only an amendment to the state constitution can actually stop gays and lesbians from marrying in Massachusetts, and that process would take at least two years. So it appears that, at least for a matter of months, the state of Massachusetts will be issuing valid marriage licenses to gay and lesbian couples. These first U.S. same-gender marriages will set the stage for the first courtroom tests of laws now explicitly prohibiting the recognition of such marriages in 37 of the 50 states and of the 1996 federal so-called Defense of Marriage Act, known as DOMA. This lends fuel to the current religious right proposal to further ban gay and lesbian marriages with the so-called Federal Marriage Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, an effort that's expected to be a major feature of the 2004 presidential campaign. 
Republican U.S. President George W. Bush quickly responded with a statement that marriage is a sacred institution between a man and a woman. Today's decision of the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court violates this important principle. I will work with congressional leaders and others to do what is legally necessary to defend the sanctity of marriage. As the usually staid Wall Street Journal put it, the culture wars just went nuclear. The case, known as Goodrich v. Department of Health, referring to the state agency administering marriage laws, was brought by seven gay and lesbian couples who had first sought and been denied marriage licenses in various Massachusetts jurisdictions. They were represented by GLAAD, Gay and Lesbian Advocates and Defenders, the group that won the Vermont State Supreme Court decision that led to the creation of the United States' first civil unions. Chief Justice Margaret Marshall wrote for the majority, The question before us is whether, consistent with the Massachusetts Constitution, the Commonwealth may deny the protections, benefits, and obligations conferred by civil marriage to two individuals of the same sex who wish to marry. We conclude that it may not. The marriage ban works a deep and scarring hardship on a very real segment of the community for no rational reason. Answering the state's arguments describing hetero-exclusive marriage as a favorable setting for procreation and child-rearing, the court's majority said, It is the exclusive and permanent commitment of the marriage partners to one another, not the begetting of children that is the sine qua non of civil marriage. The state also asserted that it was defending the institution of marriage, but the court's majority responded that the plaintiffs seek only to be married, not to undermine the institution of marriage. The decision found that the state has failed to identify any constitutionally adequate reasons for denying civil marriage to same-sex couples. The three dissenting justices all joined in their three separate opinions on different themes, all focused on legal concerns and worded in a manner respectful of gays and lesbians. Primarily, they all emphasized that, as Justice Francis Spina put it, the power to regulate marriage lies with the legislature, not with the judiciary. But Spina also denied that there is any marriage discrimination since each plaintiff is free to marry a willing person of the opposite sex. But for the plaintiffs and their attorneys, the ruling was a victory to savor, and they shared their celebration with reporters. It's obviously an historic day, November 18th, 2003. Attorney Mary Bonato of Gay and Lesbian Advocates and Defenders. And it's an historic day because finally... All families in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts will have the opportunity to be equal families under the law. We all know that civil marriage is this enormous government construct. It's the most comprehensive protections for families that exists. What comes along with it are hundreds of real bread and butter protections for families and protections in times of tragedy and crisis and emergency. Some court has finally had the courage to say this really is an issue about human equality, and human dignity, and it's time that the government treat these people fairly. Plaintiff couple Gloria Bailey and Linda Davies. Without a doubt, this is the happiest day in our lives. I finally asked her to marry me because she told me she couldn't answer until we could legally do it. And I'm happy to tell the world, she said, yes. <laughs> Plaintiff Mike Horgan. Today, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, Ed and I are finally full and equal citizens. Plaintiff Hillary Goodrich told ABC TV's Nightline how her daughter inspired their marriage activism when then six-year-old Annie was asked to name people who loved each other. And she listed off a whole group of people, and I realized each one of these groupings were heterosexual married couples. And so I said to, to Annie, well, what about Ma and Mummy? Don't we love each other? And she said, you don't love each other. I said, what do you mean? And she said, if you loved each other, you'd be married.
Hillary's partner, Julie Goodrich, at that celebratory press conference. After 16 and a half years, Hillary and I are finally going to be able to get married and protect our family. But for Massachusetts politicians, the decision poses a heavy burden. The state's Republican governor, Mitt Romney, no supporter of same-gender marriage, declared... We obviously have to follow the, the law as provided by the Supreme Judicial Court, even if we don't agree with it. We're going to follow it in terms of preparing legislation, and we'll have legislation which conforms with the law. But we will at the same time initiate a constitutional amendment process, and that constitutional amendment process will be consistent with what I think the feelings are of the people of the Commonwealth and, of course, uh, the entire uh, sweep of recorded history. Massachusetts Representative Phil Travis is a Democrat, but he was already working towards a state constitutional amendment to prohibit same-gender marriage and is now intensifying those efforts. I am in no quick hurry to condone the action of the Massachusetts Supreme Court. I think it flies in the face of what we know in Massachusetts as marriage and have demonstrated since our founding. Massachusetts lawmakers are already being deluged with communications protesting same-gender marriage in a campaign organized by religious right groups. A number of open gays and lesbians have been elected to office there, most notably Democratic U.S. Congress member Barney Frank. Frank said in a debate with religious conservative Jerry Falwell on CNN, When Vermont did civil unions, there were all kinds of predictions of chaos and marriages dissolving, None of those have proven to be the case. If you're a heterosexual living in Vermont today, civil unions have no effect on you whatsoever. And I think by 2006, people will see that in Massachusetts as well. But it's also a state with a large Roman Catholic population, and the state's leading Catholic clergy have for months been speaking out themselves against legal recognition of same-gender couples and calling on Catholics to actively oppose it as well. And finally, given the religious right campaign for the federal marriage amendment, the gay and lesbian advocacy group Human Rights Campaign this month launched a million-dollar print ad campaign to put a face on the issue. One of the five original ads featured Massachusetts plaintiff couple the Goodridges and ran in newspapers there. HRC's ads are earnest and affecting in making their case for the benefits and protections of marriage for gay and lesbian families. But they might take a tip from their counterparts in Canada to use a lighter touch. Three broadcast ads supporting same-gender marriage. The theme chosen by Toronto ad agency Zig for the campaign is What's Wrong with Gay Marriage? Never remembers our anniversary. My mother-in-law. I guess our religious differences. Teeth grinding in the middle of the night. Leaving dirty clothes on our bedroom floor. So cheap. My mother-in-law. Talks way too loud. Leaving the cap off the toothpaste. I never have any covers at night. My mother-in-law. Snoring. Whenever I go to drive the car, the tank's empty. Always late. (laughs) My mother-in-law. You know what's wrong with gay marriages? The same things that are wrong with straight ones. Support same-sex marriage. A message from PFLAG and EqualMarriage.ca. That's News Wrap for the week ending November 22nd, 2003, written by Cindy Friedman and recorded at the studios of KPFK Los Angeles. Follow the news in your area. An informed community is a strong community. For This Way Out, I'm Cindy Friedman. And I'm John Beaupre. In Canada, the marriage equality issue was settled when the Federal Civil Marriage Act received royal assent and went into effect on July 20th, 2005. It was another decade before the U.S. Supreme Court's marriage equality Obergefell decision. To some of the Court's more conservative justices today, that ruling is fair game for review. 
Thanks for discovering This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Newswrap was reported this week by John McCain Perry and Marcos Nahara and produced by Brian DeShazer. Our archival correspondents were Heather Kitching, Cindy Friedman, and John Beaupre. You heard music by Paul Simon, Ron Rifkin, The Beach Boys, and Ron Zimmerman. Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This we have thanks to Jane and Deborah Cluey's Charitable Fund and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible. Ask us about how you can join them. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email us at info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For associate producer Lucia Trippo and the entire This Way Out crew, I'm Greg Gordon. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org or wherever you get your podcasts, and on WPKN, Bridgeport, Connecticut, 4BI, Fortitude Valley, Queensland, KEUL, Girdwood, Alaska, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned.